The following Knowledge at Warden podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Additional support for this podcast comes from Warden Executive Education. For more information on Warden's executive course, Advanced Management Program, please visit http colon slash slash executiveeducation.warden.upenn.edu. It's a common occurrence in corporate America. An entrepreneurial founder starts a successful business, builds it to a certain size, and hands over control to a CEO. But then, when things don't go well, the founder steps back into the leader's role and takes direct control over the organization. That, essentially, is what happened last week when Michael Dell returned to become the CEO of Dell, replacing Kevin Rollins. Dell has been losing ground to rivals like Hewlett-Packard, and within a few days of his return, Michael Dell sent out a memo announcing that there would be no bonuses for 2006 and attacking, quote, bureaucracy, end quote, for having slowed down the company. What will it take to turn Dell around? Wharton Management Professor Peter Capelli is the director of the school's Center for Human Resources. He spoke with Knowledge at Wharton about these issues. Peter, welcome, and thanks very much for coming. Thank you. Let me start out by asking you a question about a founder coming back to take the CEO job at a company, as Michael Dell did. What is the track record of success in such cases when the founder returns to become the CEO? I think the record is mixed, uh, and I think it probably helps to step back a little and uh, ask ourselves the, something about the context of this. I mean, Generally, I think there's a sense that organizations need different skills at different times, and so the people who found organizations and have the entrepreneurial zeal and the ideas and such uh, often aren't uh, the people who can um, take the organization to the next phase. Uh, sometimes you need um, more administrative skills, more management skills. Sometimes leadership and zeal isn't enough. Uh, on the other hand, the founders have uh, some symbolism that becomes very important when they step back in in terms of um, the sense that they give the employees or their ability to sell ideas to the outside audience at different points in time, then I think this is really the punchline. Organizations need different things, and you could imagine them changing leaders as a way to try to make that happen. One of the, the first things that uh, Dell has done after taking charge again is to send out this memo that we just heard about saying that there would be no bonuses uh, for 2006. Uh, He described the year as one in which there had been great efforts, but not great results. Uh, Do you think uh, doing away with bonuses is a good idea? Well, you know, I think in in all these uh, management changes like this, there's the the distinction between the symbolism and the substance. And uh, with respect to this particular case here, um, the end of bonuses particularly articulated by the not only the founder but uh, you know the guy who has the biggest financial stake in the company um, is really kind of a powerful message and it's a powerful message that comes from the owners in that sense and uh, you know that uh, something's got to change so it, it certainly is uh, um, in, on the substance I mean on the symbolism ground an important statement to to uh, shake people up 
And I think it's also a statement to the investment community and the outsiders, too, that we're taking this seriously. You know, does it demotivate people? Um, to, yeah. Um, you know, are there some downsides to that? And the answer is, yeah, probably. Um, and I think one of the questions you ask yourself is, what's the purpose of this? And I think a lot of the purpose is the symbolism and the messages to not just the insiders, but the outsiders. Another key point in Dell's memo was his attack on bureaucracy. Uh, which he says has slowed down the company. Is this surprising for a company that built its reputation on the speed with which its supply chain could mass customize computers for customers? And, and how does bureaucracy creep into an entrepreneurial organization? Well, you know, maybe uh, just take a step back on this question and um, uh, make what may be sort of a um, unusual observation that I think in, in, to a large extent these companies don't know what they're doing. Uh, they don't know what they're doing in the sense that um, they are facing different environments and they need to respond to them and they're not sure how. So in this case, for example, Dell was uh, the darling of um, many people in the business world because they had this model that seemed to work just incredibly well and lots of people were copying it. Uh, and the environment changed. It's not that they got bad at executing their model. At least I don't think that's the complaint. Um, it is that the environment changed. They got different competitors who came in with different ideas, and the playing field changed. Now, the question is, how do you respond to that? Uh, I was looking over the um, uh, press releases and the uh, uh, analyst comments on the transition at Dell, and they almost all universally praise the idea that Michael Dell is coming back. They almost all universally have nothing to say about what it is that he'll actually do. And some of them are honest enough to say, well, the problems don't change with him coming back, and it's not clear what he's going to do. Uh, and the other thing I thought was interesting about uh, th that comment from Dell is that one of the things that Kevin Rollins was um, uh, was seen as good at was being particularly tough, particularly cost-focused, um, which is exactly what a lot of the analysts say Dell has to do to go forward. So, you know, in fact, he, he, he seemed to be pretty good at the kinds of things that most of the analysts say they ought to be doing. And I think this suggests something general about what's going on in the business world now with leadership ranks, and that is that leaders are a substitute for strategy. And that is companies really rarely have a clear sense uh, about the direction that they need to go when something like this happens. That is, the environment around them changes. Um, and they substitute new leadership for new strategy. Uh, whenever there's a change in direction of a company, it always involves new leaders. Um, and I think this is partly a signal to the investment community, frankly, that they're going to do something different. But what it is, we don't know yet. Uh, and I think as a result... Um, the leadership gets churned much more often than it, than it would have in generations previous and much more often than it actually deserves to be churned. Uh, I think as far as I can tell from what Dell says it wants to do, it's exactly the kind of stuff that uh, Kevin Rollins was good at um, and it just wasn't working well enough and that changing leadership is just a signal to the business community that we're taking this seriously, we're going to try something maybe even a little different going forward. Speaking of Kevin Rollins, what do you think was his biggest mistake? Or is he just a victim of, of uh, the company needing to send a signal to the investment community that a uh, change is in the offing? 
you know, I don't see that he made any obvious mistakes. Um, I met him a, a few years ago. He seems to be, uh, you know, a art- very articulate guy, a good spokesperson for the company, and uh, apparently was focused on the kinds of things that the company always saw as their uh, strengths and competitive advantage. Um, you know, now you hear things um, about uh, his management style, you know, that he was overbearing or too tough a taskmaster, all that sort of stuff. Of course, that's exactly what the analysts are saying the company needs now, right? So um, I think he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I think that happens to a lot of executives now. Um, and I think it's more just a function of the way business uh, business works now. Will this move make it harder for Dell to start grooming a successor, given what happened to Rollins, and the fact that Dell, Michael Dell himself, who's only 41, could always step back in any time and take the reins again? Well, I think the answer to the second point, you know, that the successor, uh, it's hard to put somebody in this job because the founder is always breathing over your shoulder. Um, there's probably something to that, although it's true in any organization. You know, the average life of a CEO now is about three years or so, and any time a company gets in trouble now, the CEO gets dumped. So uh, I don't think anybody probably is going into these jobs with a sense that they're necessarily going to have a long run. Uh, and I think this is maybe a big problem for U.S. corporations is that uh, they're so focused, even the leadership of the companies, on short-term uh, performance um, that the CEOs recognize that if things go bad in the company, they're going to get tossed out, um, that it makes their focus on short-term performance even stronger. I think the idea of grooming a successor, I, I think, frankly, um, companies aren't thinking about grooming successors uh, these days anyway. I mean, they talk about it sometimes, and uh, they may for a while uh, have somebody in the pipeline who looks like a successor, but then the environment changes, and that guy's kicked out, and somebody new is brought in from the outside. So, you know, the talk and the reality are so different on these things uh, that at some point the talk doesn't even make sense. Well, before uh, it got into its recent troubles, uh, uh, Dell seemed to be highly successful in the PC business, but less so in uh, other consumer electronics products. Uh, Are there any lessons here for companies that uh, don't stick to their knitting? Well, I suppose that's certainly the one lesson that people would, would begin to point to, and that is stick to what you're good at. You know, Dell's computer market uh, was good not just because of its marketing, but because of the way uh, it was able to assemble the computers in the first place, the modular assembly processes that lay lay behind that. Um, And uh, I guess, uh, you know, the extent to which you can keep the whole model together is uh, is crucial. That is, it's not just the way you sell things, but it's the way you build them and all these things fit together. And if you start branching out away from that, um, you could have some problems. In contrast to Dell, Apple's had tremendous success with its foray into consumer electronics with the iPod, and it wants to build further on that success uh, later with the iPhone. Are there any lessons that Dell could learn from Apple? Well, uh, we have some ideas about probably why Apple has worked well, um, and and that is that Apple is a, a company that is making its money in a completely different way. Apple's making its money by innovation. Dell was making its money by selling the same stuff more or less that everybody else was selling, selling it cheaper, selling it in a customized way. Um, You could see why the return of uh, the founder at Apple might um, 
be a bigger deal than the return of the founder at Dell, and that is because Apple was a company that is really trying to go directly to the consumer and persuade them that something is new and novel, and you bring back the founder who was famous for doing something new and novel, and it helps Maybe it helped energize L to, uh, uh, Apple to do this, but it certainly helped to sell it. Um, at Dell, it's not so obvious that they've got the same market uh, and the same problem and the same solution would work there. So I think the short answer in these things is, uh, short answer is, you know, there's not a lot of lessons really <laughs> for uh, Dell from Apple. And I think this is probably also something we should just fess up to. And that is in this modern business environment where things are changing so quickly, strategies are, sh- are so ad hoc and, and uh, so volatile, uh, companies really don't have good ideas about what they're doing. They're changing them all the time in response to uh, the business environment. And we don't mean to suggest this is because they're not smart enough or not capable enough. It's just an incredibly hard problem they've got, not just to make money, but to figure out how to make money when the markets are changing or your competitors are changing around you and new products come in all of a sudden that you didn't anticipate. And, and how do you respond to this is, is very tricky. They really don't know. They are fishing. Uh, and it's understandable that they're fishing. But I think the big lesson from this Dell experience is that when companies get into trouble, they change their executives, whether it um, makes sense uh, in terms of a new direction or not. They change their executives because people expect that a change executive will mean a change in policy. Maybe it's easier to change policy with a new executive too, and that might be true. Uh, But I think a lot of this is symbolism, and it's not because the company's got a clear new agenda, new direction, and they necessarily need different people with different competencies to do it, and that they know how to put all that stuff together. One last question, Peter, and that is, if Michael Dell were sitting in this room with us right now, what advice would you give him? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, we we have uh, any clear advice to give him. I think it would be interesting to hear how he's thinking about the problem. Um, and I and I think the very best thing that one could hope that executives do in situations like this is to think carefully and objectively about what the problem is, what their capabilities are, and how they can respond to these, uh, you know, to these situations. It's sort of the quality of thinking um, is probably the best uh, you can hope for in these contexts. The other thing you can probably be sure of is that in a year or two, whatever they thought today is going to be irrelevant. And they'll be on to something else. Thanks, Peter. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Mm-hmm.